Father, we don't uh, take this lightly. We don't want to waste time. We want you to speak to us. So we're asking you by, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your spirit, that the truth of your word be planted in our hearts and you make us more like Jesus today. In his name we pray. Amen. How many of you guys grew up playing hide-and-seek? Raise your hand here. Yeah, most people in this room, those of you that didn't, it's a real simple game. You have a group of kids, and one of the kids is going to close their eyes or cover their eyes and, and count out loud like to 100, and all the other kids are going to go hide. And then that person is going to go and seek them out and try to find them. Now, what do they call the person who is actually the one who counts and then goes and seeks them out? What is that called? It. That person's called It. And nobody wants to be it. In fact, we start off by saying, not it, right? Not it, not it, not it. Last person who says, not it, well, you're it. And then you start counting. The rest of folks hide. And, and we, had, uh, we played this constantly in my neighborhood growing up. We had one kid by the name of Jimmy, a friend of mine. And Jimmy would always hide so well, you could never find him. So after a while, we just give up on Jimmy, and we'd go do something else. We just let him rot or something. But he'd come looking for us. He'd be all mad about, hey, you, you, why'd you stop looking? We said, because you, you're supposed to be able to be found at some point. He's like, no, you don't understand the rules. No, you don't understand the rules. Well, who do you, we don't even like you anymore. Anyway, so it was like that. And then next week we play again. And Jimmy hides again. We can't find him. In fact, I think Jimmy's out there somewhere. <laughs> even today. But I really, when I think about all the times I've had an opportunity to speak about evangelism, about, you know, someone being converted to faith in Christ, Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, the best way I think for us to understand what the Bible teaches about it really is to think in terms of this game, hide and seek. In fact, Jesus actually talks about evangelism, about God and the human race in hide and seek kind of language. Let's go ahead and read a passage, Luke chapter 15. This is Jesus speaking here. I want you to notice what he says. Luke 15, starting in verse 4. He says, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So Jesus talks about God and the human race in hide-and-seek kind of language. Now, in the game of hide-and-seek, we know that, you know, there's the it. Now, in Jesus' story, who is the it? Well, God is the it. God is, in fact, the one who is searching for people who are hiding. And uh, so that's, that's part of the story we need to see. Now, at the end of the game, the, the it actually hollers out something. What does he holler out? Ollie, Ollie, oxen free? How many of you said Ollie, Ollie, oxen free? Raise your hand. Who knows what that means? Bill, what does it mean? You know Latin. Liberate the oxen. Is that it? We don't know. See, you guys have been saying this and you don't even know what it means. 
I think what we said was better. All ye, all ye, income free. How many of y'all said that? It's just me and <laughs> Stephanie. <laughs> okay, well, whatever we said, we knew what it meant, right? We knew what it meant. We, we knew that it meant, you know, it's safe to come home now. No one's going to chase you. You're not going to have to be it. No one's going to tag you. You won't have to suffer any penalties. You can just come home free. It's the cry of grace to people who are hiding. Time to come home. Now, this story Jesus is telling is about searching. And in this story, of course, God is it. And God is the most passionate searcher of all. There's no more passionate seeker and searcher for those who are hiding than God. Look what it says in Ezekiel 34, verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. So God is it. There's never been an it quite like this one in Jesus' story. He's the most passionate seeker in the universe. I think we need to understand that. When we think in terms of evangelism, I think sometimes we think we're the ones who are seeking and we're trying to convince God to help us. And then we got it all wrong. God is the most passionate seeker. And people, of course, tend to hide. It started off with Adam and Eve hiding in the garden after they sinned. And God is seeking them out. And people get found when they finally quit hiding and surrender in repentance and faith to Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. So if you want to understand evangelism, we need to start off by understanding that God is it. He is the one seeking the lost. Now, I don't know how you guys played the game, but there's another part of this game that we played that once you got found by it, then you actually helped it find the others who were hiding. How many of y'all played it that way? Okay. And so this is also true with real life. God is it, and we, he finds us, and we are found. We've become believers in Christ. We now assist God. We help God in his search for others who are hiding, others who are lost. And I really want you to see evangelism in those terms. Realize God is the one passionately seeking people. He has found us, and now he is we're going to actually assist him in finding others who are hiding and who are lost. We need to understand that we have been commissioned now to join Jesus in his search. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Then he says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So now we have joined him on this life-saving mission. And when you came in, I asked um, the hospitality team to give you a lifesaver. If you didn't get one, please get one on the way out. Now, how many of you, this is true confession time, how many of you already opened it and ate it? Okay, now that's not what you're supposed to do. So get another one on your way out, because I want you to take this lifesaver, I want you to put it in your pocket or your purse for about, this this week, and every time you reach in there for your keys or coins or whatever, and you feel it, I want you to remember that you are a lifesaver, that you're on a mission that you have been found by Christ, and now you are assisting him in finding others who are lost. 
So carry that for a week and just remember that because you know what gets in the way of mission, what gets in the way of evangelism? You know what gets in the way? Life. Life's got so much stuff in it. And so from time to time, we are, are distracted by so many things that we forget that we're on a life-saving mission here as followers of Christ. So from time to time, it's just good to reach in there and fill that life-saver and go, oh, yeah, I'm here for more than work or more than school or more than this or that, whatever it is. I'm also, I'm also a lifesaver. And I'm joining God on his, his search for lost people. Okay, I want to give you a statement. I want you to think about how you would finish this sentence. Okay, here we go. Here's the statement. If I become a really devoted follower of Christ, I will become blank. Just finish that sentence in your mind. If I become a really devoted follower of Christ, I will become what? I'll become a holier person. I'll become a better father become a better husband, I'll become more prayerful, I'll become a more loving friend. Uh, What would you fill in the blank there? Well, Jesus actually fills in the blank for us. Here's what he says. In Mark chapter 1, verse 17, Jesus said to them and to us, follow me, and what will happen? Follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. So if you become a follower of Jesus, he says that he's going to make you something. What's he going to make you? Well, he's going to make you become a fisher of men and women, boys and girls. Now, I don't think any of us decided to follow Jesus because we wanted to be fishers. In fact, I don't think any of us decided to follow Jesus for what he could make us. I think most of us probably decided to follow Jesus for what he could give us. You know, things like we want his forgiveness, we want eternal life, we want purpose, we want meaning, all these kinds of things, which he does give us. But he also wants to make us something. He wants to make us something. So he wants to make us what? He wants to make us fishers of men and women, boys and girls. So here's the thing. If I am a follower of Jesus and I'm not doing any fishing, And could it be that something is wrong with my following? Well, Jesus said, if we follow him, you'll make us fishers. So you might think, well, I consider myself a follower of Jesus. And in all honesty, the question in your mind is, so how come I'm not doing much fishing? I think there are four things that keep followers from fishing. I'm going to walk you through those four things. Number one, I think the first thing that keeps followers from fishing is they have no desire to go fishing. They have no desire to fish for men and women, boys and girls. There's just no desire. There's no want to. When Tracy and I got married, I went on a, we went on a honeymoon, and by the, at the end of our honeymoon, I took her fishing. I got her up at 5 in the morning, took her on a boat all day in the sun, kept her out till right before dark when the fish were really biting and so were the mosquitoes. And the bats were diving down right past her head. And then behind me in the boat, I heard a big thump as she put something down. And I turned around, and she had her arms crossed. And she was done. She wasn't only done fishing that day. She was done fishing with me forever. (laughs) She will never go fishing with me again. In fact, I asked her last week, before I could finish the sentence, she said no. 
Why? Why does she say no? She says no because she had such a bad experience. You see, a lot of people don't want to fish for fish because maybe they went one time and had a bad experience, so they're like, I'm not going anymore. Or maybe they just imagine what it would be like and thought, I'll pass. Well, I think, think the same thing happens when it comes to fishing for men and women, boys and girls. Some people had a bad experience, maybe doing it one time, thought, I'm not doing that again. Or maybe they just imagined what that experience would be like and said, I think I'll pass on it. So when we, you know, we look in the book of Acts, we see a group of believers in the book of Acts who are actually fishing for men and women, boys and girls. So what was key for that to be happening? Well, I think what's key is the beginning of the book of Acts, what Jesus promised them. Let's see what he says. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus promises followers, them and all the way down to us. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. So Jesus knew that if his followers were going to become fishers, they were going to need Holy Spirit power. See, the Holy Spirit not only gives us power to do the fishing, to say the things that need to be said and so forth, the boldness the Holy Spirit gives us the desire to fish for men and women, boys and girls, to care about it, to want to do it. So how do we appropriate that today? I'm so grateful that when I was a, as a college student, I started to follow Jesus, and some of those who were mentoring me as a college student told me, told me the verse where Jesus said, take up your cross daily, die to self daily, and follow him. They said every day, they told, taught me this prayer, every day, die to yourself, take yourself off the throne of your life, they put it that way, ask Jesus to be on the throne of your life, to be the captain of your ship, and then pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. Don't just wait to, you know, a conference or prayer meeting or the church, but do it every day. So I started doing that as a college student. Every morning I would just say, okay, Lord, I die to myself today. I want Jesus, I'm off the throne of my life. I want you to be on the throne of my life. I ask you to fill fill me with your Holy Spirit. I just pray that every day. And something happened to me where I actually wanted to talk to people about Jesus. I wanted to. I had a desire to. I desired to go fishing. And so I I just encourage you to make that part of your, your morning routine, to pray that. And I'd like you to pause right now and pray it. So close your eyes a second, just bow your heads and... Father, we ask you right now, Lord, for this power. So we take ourselves off the throne of our lives. It's not all about us. We ask you, Jesus, to be on the throne of our lives, to be the captain of our ship, to lead us. We ask you to fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit, the power to be witnesses, and the desire to be witnesses. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So make this a daily, daily decision. Now, What happens, though, we need to understand the importance of daily because even in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they're speaking the word of God with boldness in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people get saved when Peter preaches the sermon. But when time we get to Acts chapter 4, something shifted. What happened? What happened was they were threatened to stop speaking the name of Jesus or they're going to be arrested. So they're threatened. They're intimidated. 
What do they do? In the, in, the process, in the midst of being intimidated, they go back to another prayer meeting, Acts chapter 4. What happens at the end of that prayer meeting? Let's just read Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. So they're again filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the result? The result is that they speak with boldness. They had the desire to and the power to speak the word of God. And so this is something we've got to continue to do. Continue to ask the Lord every day. So many followers aren't fishers because they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why. So make it a daily decision. Let me say something. So they got filled with the Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now let me differentiate between boldness, being bold, and being obnoxious. Okay, bold means I'm not going to be intimidated because of fear of rejection or fear of persecution. But I'm still, I'm still going to walk in wisdom. I still want to walk in humility. I still want to treat others like I want to be treated. And nobody wants to be treated, you know, obnoxiously, right? So I don't need to be that kind of person. So don't become obnoxious. And if you do, then we'll beat you up. Just kidding. Okay, so the first thing that keeps followers from fishing is they just have no desire to fish. So what do we, how do we overcome that? By being filled with the Holy Spirit every day. Ask Jesus to be on the throne of your life, simple prayer. Ask, the Holy, ask him to fill, fill you with the Spirit. So you have the power. So the number one, we need the power. Number two, the second thing that keeps followers from fishing is Perspective. Number one's power. Number two is perspective. What perspective am I talking about? The perspective that we sometimes seem to forget that we were fish once. What do I mean by that? Well, you were a fish once and you got caught. Aren't you glad you got caught? See, I think sometimes we think, well, I don't want to go fishing because nobody wants to get caught. But the truth is you got caught. And you're glad you got caught, right? The truth is there's all, all kinds of people out there that will be so glad they got caught. Be so glad that somebody led them to Christ. And th this is the beauty of like when we played hide and seek and after we got found by, by God, we, you know, by it, we started helping find others and we started fishing and, and there's going to be people that are so glad you did. They're so glad they got caught. I, I'm so grateful to God. I mean, I want you to think about it. Think about the person that God used to lead you to Christ. Think about who that was. Maybe it's more than one person, but who kind of brought you across the finish line? Think about that person. When you think about that person, don't you have real positive thoughts about them? See, there's two guys in my, my college track team that God used. They, they'd go by my dorm room. They'd knock on the door. They would ask, invite me to Bible studies. They would give me stuff to read. They would pray for me. And I was hiding from them all the time, <laughs> trying to avoid them. But I'm so glad I got caught. I'm so glad they didn't quit. They kept praying for me, kept going after me. So perspective is the second thing we really got to have. Don't forget that you were a fish once and you're glad you got caught. And there's fish out there that are going to be so glad that you spoke to them. Okay? So we need power, Holy Spirit power. 
the power to and the desire to. We need perspective. Don't forget that you're a fish. You're a fish once and you're glad you got caught. There's people that are going to be so glad you spoke to them. Number three, third thing that keeps followers from fishing is the point of fishing. Why it even matters. What is the point of this? A lot of people think, look, just let people believe what they want to believe. What's the point? They're going to decide what they want to decide. Anyway, what's the point in me talking to anybody? Well, again, let's go back to the book of Acts and see how they handle this in the story. Because in Acts chapter 4, remember, I mentioned that they were, they were uh, challenged and that they could no longer speak the name of Jesus. By the way, that's going to increase in the days to come. More and more, our culture is going to tell us you can't do that. You can't do it in all kinds of different venues. Eventually, you just can't do it. It's not just politically incorrect. You can't be preaching the name of Jesus. That's going to end up being hate speech. You watch. You watch. Acts chapter 4, let's see what happened. Verse 1, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. So they are put in jail. Now, this has caused a lot of people to, to just quit, to back away, but not them. Acts chapter 4, verse 20. Here's what they say when they're told they can't speak the name of Jesus. Acts 4, 20. said, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. I want you to notice something here. Christianity is not just a belief system. It's not a religion that we're pushing. Christianity is the result of real events witnessed by hundreds of people. We fish today because something happened and we need to talk about it. Something really happened. People witnessed and even were persecuted and even some died for refusing to stop talking about what they saw, not just what they believed. They wouldn't stop speaking about what they saw. They saw the resurrected Christ and couldn't stop speaking about it. But notice something else that's key in the story. I think something that caused the followers to be fishers in the first century. They had a great conviction about something. Conviction, by the way, which less and less Christians have today. But they had it. What is this conviction? Acts chapter 4, verse 12. As they continue to speak, they said this. And there is salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. That's why we fish. We fish because there's no other name under heaven which, by which people can be saved. There's no other way. There's no other way to God but through Christ. It's amazing how many Christians today will say, well, maybe there's other ways. If there was other ways to God besides Christ, then Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. He died on the cross because there was no other way. There was no other way. And so we need to remember, so you say, what's the point of it? Why do we need to do this? We need to do it because there's no other way. There's salvation through no one else but Jesus. That's why we need to be fishers. People need Christ. All people need Christ. Muslims 
Every Muslim in this whole world needs Christ. Buddhists need Christ. Hindus need Christ. The rich, the poor, they all need Christ. Evolutionists need Christ. No matter what your nationality, your ethnicity, every person needs Christ. There's no other way. So we've got to be passionate about fishing. Why? Because eternal destinies are at stake. Men and women, boys and girls, their eternities are at stake. That's what, why it matters. That's the point. And so many Christians don't realize what's riding on this. Fishing, so much riding on that. We enjoin him, God, in his search. There's no other way to heaven but this way. And by the way, that will become more and more, there'll be more and more pressure on Christians to change that view. And our answer is not that we won't. Our answer is we can't. We cannot change it. There is no other way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's no other way. So what keeps followers from fishing? One is power. We need Holy Spirit power. Every day, pray for that. Every day, start out your day for God, surrendering again. Die to yourself. Ask Jesus to be on the throne of your life, captain of your ship, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Number two, perspective. Never forget, you were a fish once, and you're glad you got caught. There will be people out there that are so glad they got caught. Number three, what's the point of it? Why does it matter? It matters because eternal destinies are at stake. That's what matters. Last one, number four. What keeps fish, followers of fishing is what I'm going to call, since I need the fourth P, the practice. In other words, knowing how to do it. Do you know how to fish? A lot of people don't, followers aren't fishers, they don't know how to fish. They've never been taught. In fact, just think for a second. If you're thinking in terms of, would I know what to say if I had the opportunity? You should know what to say. You should think it through. You should know what to say. You should know what to say very simply, very clearly, what your story is. Come to know Christ. You should be able to explain the gospel very simply. I'm going to tell you what I do. Real simple. I'm going to do it in five minutes for you. Here we go. First thing I do, if I don't, if I don't know somebody, I, I got the, the word form is in my mind. Form is an acrostic, F-O-R-M. F stands for I talk to them about their family, F, family. O stands for occupation. I ask them about their occupation. R stands for religion. I ask them, do you have any religious background? M stands for message. Whatever they talk, when they tell me about their religious background, I tell them about mine, message. And then when I tell them about mine, I have the message of the gospel. The word forms in my head, F-O-R-M, F, family. Ask them about their family. They're glad to talk about it. O, occupation. What do you do? R, religion. You got any religious background? Oh, yeah? Tell me about it. M, message. Well, let me tell you about mine. And then and I tell my story. I share the gospel. I share the gospel with four verses and four illustrations. It's real simple. It's so easy to remember. Verse number one, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's a holy God, sinful man. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No matter how much better you think you are than somebody else, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Illustration, football. It's fall, I use football. I said, let's, let's see who can throw the football the furthest. I throw the football, and I said, you might be able to throw it farther than me. Now, let's try to throw the football to China. We laugh. None of us can throw it that far. This is true. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I don't care how many good deeds a person has done. They're still so far away from the glory of God. 
there's a giant chasm. That's one. Second verse is Romans uh, 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. So what is because of our sin, we're separated from God. The wages of sin is death, spiritual separation from God. Uh, the illustration, wages. You get paid for whatever you do because someone thinks that's what it's worth what you do. We get paid for our sin. What is that we get paid? Death. Separated from God. There it is. We're halfway done. Two verses, two illustrations. All right. Third verse, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Remember, we deserve death for our sins. Christ died for us. He took our place. He died in our place. What's the illustration? Cancer. Both my parents died of cancer. I talk about being by their bedside. I say, now, if, if I take the cancer off of their body, put it on mine, what would happen to them? They'd live. What happened to me? I'd die. I say, Jesus hung on the cross, took our sins upon himself. So what was killing us? Our sin. So what happens now? He took our sin away. We live. What happens to him? He dies in our place. He bears our judgment, dies our death. Okay? Fourth verse, fourth illustration. The fourth verse I use is Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus says, says it as succinctly as you can say it. He says, repent and believe the gospel. Repent, turn away from sin and self, and believe the good news of Jesus, the Savior and Lord. Illustration I like to use is I like to use this wheelbarrow illustration because the word believe is not just intellectual assent. I say, if you saw me cross the Grand Canyon, and I'm on a tightrope, and I'm walking the tightrope, pushing a wheelbarrow all the way across the Grand Canyon, and I get to the other side, and I say, Ron, do you believe I can push the wheelbarrow across the Grand Canyon on this tightrope? What would you say? I say, yes, because you just saw me. I say, great, Ron, I want you to get in the wheelbarrow. We're going back across to the other side. <laughs> now, that's different, isn't it? It's different because now he's got to really believe I can get him safely across the other side. He's got to put his life in my hands. There's got to be a surrender to that, that I can pull this off. Believing in Jesus is so much more than intellectual assent. I am really putting my, I'm believing he can get me across safely to the other side. There's a surrender in it, and I really believe. So I share that, and then I simply ask the question, is there any reason why you wouldn't want to make that decision right now? Any reason? So this is something you can do, and you can do it all as you tell your story, and you're planting seeds. I got, a, I got an email last week from my college roommate. I hadn't talked to him in decades. Out of the blue, he got a hold of, of info at graceonington.com to contact me, to write me an email to tell me that he and his wife are now following Jesus. Now, when I was in college, I started following Jesus, and he's my roommate. He, he wasn't interested. I could talk to him, but he wasn't interested. But now, decades later, he emails me about how he and his wife are following Jesus. And he, and he wanted to ask me and some others to pray for his wife, who just found out she had cancer. I tell you that story to tell you that the Bible says we plant the seed. We share our story. We share the gospel. We plant the seed. God is the one who waters it. God causes it to grow. All this time, I, I planted a seed. I forgot about it. I forgot about that seed. But all the time, God's watering it. God's causing it to grow. And now they follow Christ. So we are fishers of men and women, boys and girls. We plant seeds. God does all the heavy lifting. God is the one passionately pursuing people. We, invo we just join him on a search. 
God is the one that does all the heavy lifting of the seeds that we plant. Now, as we close here, I, there's no doubt in my mind that there's probably some, someone in this room, probably maybe a handful of you in this room, that in all honesty, you'd say, you know, I'm, I've been hiding from God. But today, I'm, I'm ready to stop hiding. I'm ready to be found. I'm ready to be found. And I want you to know, if that's you, I want you to know that God is saying, all ye, all ye, in come free. You can come in. You can freely come home to Jesus. No more hiding. You can come home. No penalties. You can't, you, nothing, you don't do nothing to earn it. Just come. Just come to him. Some of you, this would be maybe the first, the first time you've ever made this decision. Just to say, I'm, I'm not hiding anymore. I'm not running anymore. I just, I'm coming home to Jesus. And you can do that today. You can make that decision today. Some of you say, well, maybe I made that decision some time ago, but I walked away from him. And I think the Lord's saying to you today, today's time to come back. Come home. Just come home. I just want you to bow your heads as we close now in prayer. Just bow your heads. Father, you know where everyone is in this room. Lord, and we just do, we pray, Lord, right now for those that have been hiding and know it's time to come home, Lord. Those who realize this has been going on long enough, it's time to get found. Just let yourself be found today. Just tell them right now, Lord, I'm, I'm done hiding. I just want to come to you now. Just tell them. Tell them you want to come home. Lord, you pray for, for all those who are in that place right now, Lord, that they'd be able to just begin now this journey of walking with you. Come out of the shadows, out of the hiding places, and just walk with you. Thank you, Jesus making it all, all possibility for all of us. I pray, Lord, that you would also enable all of us to really this week find ourselves fishing. We pray for that power, power of the Holy Spirit, that perspective. Remembering that we were fish once and glad we got caught. Lord, I'm also remembering that point there's salvation in no one else. And we share our story. In Jesus' name.